Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today's going to be kind of a fun show. Uh, it's actually Friendsgiving for all of us at DNVR, which means that the entire company is coming over to my apartment with their significant others. Actually, I'm, I think there's somebody else. There's one other. Uh, actually, I shouldn't just out whoever else is single in the company, but there is one other single person in the entire company, uh, which means that... I get made fun of, um, so that's cool. So uh, that was a weird tangent to go on, but since we talk about my dating life too much on this podcast, I figured I'd give you that update too. Um, I'm recording this kind of late. It took a while to get this whole place in shape. I had to go to to Total Bev. I'll tell you about my trip to Total Bev earlier, um, or later. The trip was earlier, and uh, you know, uh, it was just a busy day getting everything ready. It's going to be a blast, and it means that since I'm recording this late, we may be interrupted by a couple of special guests, which I am really excited about. Um, I think you guys will be too. I don't want to like spoil it or jinx it or anything, and I don't think anybody knows that I'm having them come on the pod. But uh, you know, that's that's what we're doing, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, also, we're going to talk about the things I learned in Boulder. I want to talk more about Steven Montez because we didn't get to him in the post game. Of course, we have to touch on the basketball game that was last night. Yep, that was last night uh, between Colorado and Wyoming. And it was probably the scariest performance of the season. It was definitely. Uh, the second half was a lot better. Uh, one second, I'm getting a phone call. I think somebody might be here. Okay, uh, so somebody is here. Actually, two people got here. And I think that there are two people who you're all going to want to hear from. Uh, like I said, Friendsgiving's tonight, and Ryan Konigsberg is here to bake his stuffing. Is that how you say it, Ryan? Is it baking stuffing? I think, yeah, that's what because you're taking the stuffing and you're putting it in the oven. But some people call it dressing. That's Ali Monroe, oh, by the way. F- There's a difference. Somebody... <laughs> oh, so, already cursing on you. Yeah, I, had to I didn't curse. Last time. No, you didn't. You got really close, though. Yep. Um... So, I, I saw on Twitter there's, like, a difference between stuffing and dressing. Like, it's not just that some people say it different is do you know anything about that yeah i've heard that i mean tech i think technically stuffing is in the bird which Makes is sense. a dumb thing to do and there's no logical <laughs> reason why you would put the stuffing in the bird but doesn't it pull like the flavor of the bird into the stuffing kind of like the bracket that's why you uh, just use holiday but like turkeys don't really <laughs> normally have like much flavor yeah, it, yeah. There's just just don't put the stuffing in the bird you're just asking like for another thing that's possible to be messed up just do the stuffing right, do the turkey okay. right, and yeah, so anyways. 
I was in charge of going to Total Bev and buying a bunch of alcohol because I'm not really trusted to do things like figure out whether you can put stuffing in a bird or not. So I'm really excited to see how you guys can cook and to feed me. Um, Want to talk about some buff stuff? Yeah, though? That, let's do that'd that. That'd be great. Hell yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like we should probably just like start with your takes on the game against Washington on Saturday. What's like the biggest thing you're taking away from that? Can I start before the game? Start whenever you yeah, want. Yeah, Ryan has to tell the opportunity opportunity that we had that was the greatest thing ever. Is that so, why I, you didn't say hi to me before the game? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, because I got new boots we and I was really excited to get oh, reviews. Oh, sorry, Henry. No, we weren't at the tailgate because we had the opportunity, thanks to Chris Fusilay at Blake Street Tavern, to... Go to a Chalk Talk event with Mel Tucker before the game, which like already blew my mind that that existed. I was like, what? Mel is like doing something before the game that's not just like getting ready for the game or whatever. And it, and then that's when I found out it's brief, which makes sense. 15 yep. minutes. Busy man. Yeah. Okay, that's 15 solid. to 30 minutes. That's solid. And basically what it was, was high level donors and people of that sort all gathered in the Buffs team room where they watch film. Mm -hmm. Mel came in, broke down the film, told us a little bit about the game plan and was, I've never seen a coach like right before a game in my life. He was so locked in, so so dialed, so serious. And like, I don't know, just, just locked in. You know what would have been really fun? Like, what if they assigned you each a player and so said, like, Allie, you're LaVisca, Ryan, you're Steven, and then instead of just, like, having him explain things to you, you role play it. And so, like, when Steven throws an interception or something, like, you just get berated. Like, he just screams at you like he would Steven. Um, that would be great. That, that would have been cool if there weren't, like, 50 to 60 people in the room. Oh. But still. Okay. It was so cool, man. I've never in my life, first of all, just, like... Mel Tucker, my God. Yeah. Yep. The dude just gets it. I mean, I, there's just no other way to say it more succinctly than he just gets it. And this is another perfect example of connecting with the donors and freeloaders with donors like <laughs> Allie and I. Like us. Um, <laughs> but connecting with the people, connecting with the fan base in a way that's very unique and in a way that just made, it made me feel special. Mm-hmm. And I know that everyone else who was in there felt really special. I feel like that's Mel's thing. Like, just making everybody feel special. Like, he's down on the sidelines taking pictures with people, like, introducing himself. Like, all this kind of stuff. He's always just talking to people, and it makes them... Like like Ryan said, he just gets it. And, I mean, even throughout, obviously, he's locked in. He's very serious. That's what you want to see. No phones allowed. If he sees a phone, he walks out. And, obviously, I mean, you're being trusted with information. So they say. I just assume Um, that no one's broken that rule because no one's... Can you imagine Mel Tucker, like, calling you out? No way. Um... And he connected and he told a few jokes and all he got was like a smirk. Like all he did was smirk. Um, He never smiled. He was just so locked in. But it was the coolest experience ever because then during the game, Ryan and I spent the entire game being like, oh, that's the play. Oh, look at what they're doing here. Oh, look, it's so obvious. Like what Mel was talking about, about the offense. And, And it was just, we got an inside look. And then during the game, all we wanted to do was like, examine it and then we watched the game again and watched it all over again and saw his plan work to perfection and they won the game and right after we left that room we were both like we're winning tonight it just you just felt so secure and like how much they had prepared it was pretty special just because i've watched a million football games in my life 
Mm -hmm. I've never known anything about the game plan before the game kicked off. You know, you can you guess. surmise things and guess, and obviously once the game is going, you can say, okay, well, they're trying to do X, Y, and Z. But to hear the coach, and obviously you're not going feel, to – I feel weird giving any details even after the yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. But to hear the coach just say, hey, here's a few things that, you know, we want to focus on. Here's a few things that we uh, – think our weaknesses in them here's how they here's how we think they're going to attack our weaknesses just to be able to hear that and then go watch it was like I, I don't know it was it was a dream come true honestly yeah that sounds like my dream so like what what did he do so like he pulls up a play do you watch a play like for one minute like do you spend like 15 seconds on it i mean like, obviously this is the accelerated class yeah you know? he, oh for uh, sure he i'm so it was very quick Again, I feel awkward going into too much detail because I, I, I was exactly. don't know. Oh, blessed to be in the room at all. <laughs> also, I don't want to yeah. ruin anything about that. Oh, yeah. No, they, the guys that were running it like came over and they're like, we know you. Yeah. Don't you dare <laughs> be tweeting. Have your phone out. Like, no. And no, Ryan and I are like, of course not. No. That's what I'm like. Again, I, I, said, I said this on this podcast early in the season. Like, I'm... I'm not pretending to be anything but a huge Buffs fan, you know? Like, that's, yeah. like, a part of my you? identity. So, a Buffs fan? <laughs> so, that's when I'm like, hey, I'm on your team, you know? Like, <laughs> what? I'm not I'm not going to spoil anything or anything. Like, all I want is for you guys to win. Yeah. Seriously. Okay. Uh, so, that was incredible. Yeah, that was Sounds incredible. incredible. And one last point okay. about Mel and getting it in this and that. The dude is just big time. He carries himself like he's big time. He runs his program like he's big time. He does big time things like that. Like he, that, those those things happen at a big time program. I'm sure he took that from something he saw somewhere else, where you're trying to make these people feel like they're a part of it. You know, like literally. And one day when I have enough money, I'll, you know, I'll be and in that. That group. was gonna be my question. But oh, yeah. and I mean, I wish I could go to that every week. Like I would pay to go to that every week. And so on top of that, it's like you're making these people act not just feel like they're a part of it in the sense you give us money, we can go turn it into wins. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're a part of it. Here's the game plan. Here's what we're trying to do tonight. You're literally a part of what we're trying to do here. And that's just big time. It that is. is just how big time programs operate. Like he's not just like sending out an email saying, Hey guys, we could use some cash or like, setting up a stand at a soccer game like come come get an autograph or whatever to have everybody in the room and like really explain in depth and instead of just saying do this because you want the buffs to be good but like do this because you believe in me like let me prove to yeah. you that i am somebody you should invest in and that's why i think we've gotten so many big time recruits or yeah. the buffs have gotten so many big time recruits because he just makes people feel special and he does a great job of selling himself and selling the university. And he, when it finished, he took a second to come up to the donors and be like, hey guys, like not just, oh, this is what we're doing, peace out and left. He's like, I need you to know, like talking directly to all of us. Like, I need you to know how important you are to us. And so it was, it was just an incredible experience. And then the game, was a blast. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it fun? Had so much fun. And it was the first time like in so long that they beat Washington. And I just was so proud of these seniors who've gone through a lot against Washington mm -hmm. and, 
and so proud of Steven. I mean, I've had my ups and downs with my feelings on Steven, but um, he truly showed that he's a warrior. He stayed in. He looked like he was in so much pain, like something with his ribs. Speculation, obviously, we don't know. Um, but they just they went out and they won the game, and it was incredible. I guess the theme of uh, of my thoughts on this experience is big time. Like that looked like a big time program. That looked like a team that was better than the team that they were playing. It wasn't, oh, they had a fluke here, a pick there, a big play here or there. It was like, and they did have those things. And mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. you know, part of that's the ingredients football. to any win. But it just looked like a team that was better. And they aren't in terms of their <laughs> talent, which leads me back to the coaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is coaching shining through. And Chris Peterson's a good coach. He's a really good uh, and coach. And he's done some really good things over there. And he got out coached on that night pretty significantly. I mean, it shouldn't have been close. The Buffs honestly had a chance to blow him out. It shouldn't have. But that last touchdown to make it 14-20, uh, ugh. I just, like, as a Buffs fan, you can't tell me you weren't feeling like, oh, God, no. Here we go. Here yeah. we go. Here's then, USC all over again. But no. They managed to close them out. The defense, I can't. The defense played spectacular. That was just a good defensive football team yeah. and a coaching staff that knows how to use a good defense. It, it, I, at the time, I wasn't having flashbacks to like the 2015 Broncos and that defense because I was thinking the same thing where it's like, could this just all collapse? Is this actually <laughs> going to happen? Ugh. But then afterward, when you look back and you see how they handled everything all the way through, you're like, yeah, the offense did what it needed to do. It didn't turn the ball over. This played like back and forth football knowing knowing that their defense is going to give up fewer yards than the other defense would it got all wound up there but um but yeah and so and so what ends up happening is you just go back and forth and back and forth and then you get close enough that you can kick a field goal or score a touchdown and it's just not making those little mistakes i don't know it, it was so much fun to see them play good clean football what's wild to me is that you know three four weeks ago we were excusing the defense because of all the injuries right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you take away at least half of the secondary uh on this night you take away mustafa uh they are depleted to the point where if they would have given up 35 points in that game i don't think we would have blamed you know we would have said yeah i mean very talented football team good senior quarterback yep that sort of thing happens but just as much as we were giving as we were you know uh excusing it back then now you have to give them extra credit. You know, that wasn't just oh, holding yeah. Washington to 14 points. That was holding Washington to 14 points with a depleted defense, uh, playing a lot of young players who have clearly bought in and are understanding what Mel Tucker's trying to do. And Henry, you wrote a great story about how he made that happen. And it's just like, that's what good coaching looks like. It's figuring out a way to make this group succeed, regardless of all the things that are going against you. And it finally happened. It felt like for so long there were there were like just the mistakes every game. And and you'd go to talk to the coaches, talk to the players a couple days after, and they'd say, you know, we played a really good defensive game except for four plays. And on those four plays, that's why we got blown out. And so you heard those mistakes. You're thinking, like, how were they not finding just like that one little tweak to fix it? And I think you wrote about that back then too, how they yeah. were close. Yeah. And and you just thought if you're close why can't you take that last step? And that was what was so frustrating is that you knew that they were close, but they just couldn't do it. They were missing tackles. There was just one guy out of place on three. Play it, it's, it's frustrating stuff. And it's the same thing that happened with that offensive line too, with the false starts. 
where oh. you diagnose the false starts, you know what's happening. And week after week after week, it just keeps happening. You can't fix it. And it just takes time to turn those corners, I guess. It, it doesn't happen as quickly as we would have liked. Is that the takeaway? I'm not really yeah. sure. Well, I, I mean, I would have been fine if it never happened this season. You yeah. Know? Because Mel Tucker's coming in trying to install a defense with a bunch of players who may or may not fit oh, it. Someone you, else is here. Somebody's here. You but can keep talking. To see, you know, to see it actually shine through is just another thing that gives me a lot of confidence in Mel Tucker. It's, uh, it's one of those things where you are, we already believed in him. We weren't blaming him for what was necessarily going wrong. But, you, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, this guy is a defensive-minded head coach. It's hard to hire a defensive-minded head coach and see your defense get mopped all across the field. And then all of a sudden, you know, back-to-back games. And who knows what's going to happen against Utah. They could give up 40 again. Easily. Um, and, and, not, and not necessarily play poorly either. If they do give up 40, that doesn't necessarily mean, like, it was a it's bad all game. over Everything. the defense. Utah's just They're right. that good. But, for yeah. two of the, but we're, we're going to be able to look back and say, two of the last three games of the season, they put the clamps on. Mm-hmm. And that looked like a Mel Tucker defense. And it looked like what you dreamed of when you hire it a coach like Mel Tucker. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, you wouldn't blame it for a first year head coach. You would like, and then all the injuries on top of that, no one would, if this season would have ended without these two last wins, no one would have really been mad at Mel Tucker. Now it's just like, Oh my God, what can they do with these new recruits that they're getting? And Mel Tucker's like future team, because most of these guys were McIntyre's team. So what can he do when he has full control of all of that? It's really exciting. And it's just crazy to think because even today they pulled in another running back. Like not a super highly rated running back, but that kid, Jail, uh, I'll think of his name, uh, Jail out of <laughs> to, uh, Cherry, uh, Cherry Creek. Creek. Yeah, yeah, Cherry yeah. Creek, six feet tall, like 225 pounds. And he was supposed to be like the bowling ball fullback for Air Force. Bruiser. Like, and he's just averaging like 10 yards a carry being a big dude in high school football. And who knows if he's going to pan out, but pulling him, knock the buffs up in the recruiting rankings in the entire country from 30th to 29th. And that doesn't factor in Antonio Alfano. It's just incredible how quickly you could see this all turning around. Yeah. To, I mean, they're completely out recruiting their performance. You know, For the like, first time in so long. Right. They're a five and six football team. They're recruiting like a eight and four or an eight and three football team. And that, again, is, again, why we hired Mel Tucker. You're seeing it pan out. You're seeing, okay, he brought in this guy to coach up the defense, to be just a hell of a leader, which that I'm 1,000% sold it's on. It's obvious. And to recruit. And those things... As we've gone through year one, you've been able to check off all the boxes. Yep. Uh, before we move on, I want to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. Ooh, um, what you are guys, you going to tell us? Have you guys looked in the refrigerator yet? No. No. Stocked? Uh, it's stocked. It's stocked. Oh, oh AJ also, goes AJ to the Hayfley refrigerator. was the one who just knocked on that door. We might get to hear from him in a minute, but he's going to go open that door for us. Oh, wow. I Look at that Christmas up. ale. Uh, he said, quote, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. You guys can't hear AJ. Uh, yeah, we got Christmas ale. I had like most of a, of a um, sampler from Breckenridge Brewery in there. I still have some Hollydale, which is strong stuff, it turns <laughs> out. Uh, might stay away from that one tonight. Just me personally. You guys shouldn't. You guys should definitely try it. The Christmas um, ale is so good. It's 
not even that heavy. It definitely looks like a darker beer. So I was like, oh, when I got it. But no, it tastes so good. And it's, I don't know, it's perfect. It's just imagine like kicking your feet up by a fire yeah. as a light snow lands on the ground so outside tonight. of you. Exactly. There is <laughs> Christmas music playing and jingle. You can hear the jingle of jingle bells. Mm. Oh God. And then you take a sip of beer. That's exactly what it would taste like. Yeah. Like you can, yes. I know that if you're listening to this, you can taste it. That's what it tastes so like. So good. So go check it's it out. It's so good. And uh, you know where you can get it? You know where I got it? Total Bev. On my way back from Boulder today. Um, and the reason I got so much is because if you spend $75, you can get 30% off. No, this is exactly what Henry told me over the phone. He's like, I had to. You can't I had to get not, the 30% it's just irresponsible off. Henry's like, not to uh, get the discount. This six pack is $12, but I, I mean, <laughs> I have to buy 75 <laughs> He's like, I got Christmas ale. I got a nice tequila. I I got this. I had to. I'm like, really, Henry? You had to? I know I'm going to keep (laughs) drinking. I'm not going to be done drinking (laughs) after tonight. (laughs) Hopefully. And alcohol doesn't expire. (laughs) Exactly. It just gets better, right? Is that how that works? Some of it. Brandon's bringing the wine. That's the one that gets better. Some. Some wines, not all wines. Also, whiskey some. Oh, yeah. Also, if you don't know much about wine, like we don't. Check out Weinster. <laughs> oh, yes. Also Weinster. I, Good folks. Yeah. I haven't gotten to Good talk about Weinster in a while. All, all uh, Buff Buffs. alums. Yep. And they really help. I've learned a lot more about wine. It may not seem like it from the recent conversation we just had, but learned a lot more about wine because of them. So definitely go support them as well. And uh, if you want to get the same deal that I used today at Total Beverage, which has locations in Westminster and Thornton, uh, you can use the code DNVR2019. And they'll hook you up. That's a great deal. Let's go. Okay. Uh, so next we want to talk about Buffs basketball. Oh, yeah, because we do. Because as exciting as it is that Colorado could make it to a bowl game now in football. Uh, Which is really exciting. It's so exciting. It's and that's so what I said exciting. before the season is like, if they can make this last game mean something, even though they probably won't win, that's like a more fun ride than we could expect. Like, that's a good target. Honestly, I may, I may be riding uh, the Mel Tucker train after last week and then listening to him and all that, but... I think they can do it. I think they can beat Utah. They can. They can. It's a, it's a small chance, but it's possible. It's not impossible. Yeah. I'm and Utah, they usually screw up. Yeah. They haven't done against, it yet. Against the Buffs especially. Just to like balance this out so we don't all get our hopes too high. Again, 28-point line. <laughs> um, all right, Henry. Utah's played six games at home this season. They've given up uh, 36 total points. That's six the Buffs points haven't per even game. Given, the Buffs have given up 27 total points in their last two games. Utah has given up uh, zero touchdowns in the last 15 quarters at home. But I was thinking of making the trip, I'll be honest. And then I saw the line and I was like, oh. Huh. Have I told you I'm making the triangle trip to this one? What's what Wednesday? is that? I'm, that? That's not a thing. Sorry, it's not actually a thing. It's just <laughs> what I said. Um, um, <laughs> the triangle uh, trip? Yeah, I'm going up to Montana Wednesday after media availability. Uh. Thursday. I see the triangle Yeah, now. exactly. It's like, what a fun triangle. Boulder to, the, you, I've told everybody to listen to the podcast, so I guess we learned something about you two today. Uh, we can move on to basketball now, though. Wait, really quick. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, I was going to go. Then I oh, saw the yeah, line, yeah. which was like a little bit of a deterrent mm. because I'm like, man, that, that, oh, there's a high, they're saying there's a high chance of the buffs getting blown out. And then I saw the, the forecast, Ooh, which yeah. calls for like 25 and windy. And I was like, okay, I, 
the chances of me going there and then being freezing while the buffs get killed kind of killed it for me. But then yeah. I also realized if they win, it will be just as fun at Blake Street Tavern yep. as it would be in Rice-Eccles yes. Stadium. Yes. And so I was like, all right, I just, yeah, I'm going to pass. Blake Street Tavern is always a blast when it comes to these types of games. Uh, you can ask Oregon, uh, you can ask Oregon, you can ask Ryan about Oregon <laughs> three years ago. Has, still has the scar. Still have the scar. Wait, what? Tables were flipped. Everyone got really excited. You're yeah. screaming the fight song. It's just Blake Street Tavern is such a great time when it comes to Buffs watch parties. So that's where we'll be. Come say hi. Come support the Buffs. Ryan, were you the one flipping the table or were no, you like I innocent? No, I was an innocent victim. Uh, the table was flipped onto uh, me. I feel like you probably also got excited. And, I did or was get, it just I obviously Murray? Got excited. I'm just not a table flipper. <laughs> like, I don't just go to establishments uh. and flip their tables. So Tyler Murray was the one who flipped it. I cannot <laughs> confirm nor deny that accusation. Uh. But it, he was the person was at my table and flipped the table towards me, uh. which made the corner of the table hit my leg, cut me open. Best blood I've ever bled. That sounds more like kind of an alley, like Philly girl. Type of thing to do though. I didn't to even flip know to flip tables. To flip tables, or maybe no, just like more burn like a things. Jersey thing. Is that a Jersey thing? I know, right? I, I'm just like, isn't that totally on brand for like um, Philadelphia sports fans no. though? Oh, uh, well, okay. um, uh, yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, <laughs> exactly. All right, well, <laughs> AJ, AJ's just shaking his head. Um, so that was at the Blake Street Tavern for that game, oh, but then also at. Henry's really excited that people in, are coming to visit I know. him. In Oregon, or I'm so distracted. Harrison Wynn just got in here. Um, in Boulder, there was couches being burned after that game. So that one was a really exciting one just overall. We need to burn some couches. I, I mean, I've been to in Boulder when they've burnt couches during St. Patty's Day and then during after that Oregon win. This is my pledge. If we beat Utah, no couch is safe. Um, <laughs> I, okay. Nice. This couch we're sitting on right now, it's going up. Hey, this is a, this is a nice couch. Ikea couch. It folds out. Actually, it doesn't even you, fold you out. You just it said this is a nice out. couch and then fit, followed it with Ikea couch. Well, I'm, I'm 22. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 like, like it's a lot nicer than the thrift store couches my friends have. Yeah. Oh, God. Hit me up when you get on that American Furniture Warehouse game. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to build anything. Oh, weird. And well, it's around the how do you price. How do you even get it in? They deliver it and put it wherever you want. No They can way. move it around if you don't like, like it there. Like they have people just for doing that. Yeah. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, like I build all my own furniture. It's why I don't have a bed yet. I have a mattress on the floor. Anyways, um, basketball. <laughs> basketball. <laughs> we, this is actually an intervention. Um, this is this is, yeah. this is an intervention, Henry. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. You need to build a bed. Do That's you one of my still not have plans. a bed? One you of guys, your off-season plans. You moved. You've lived here for what? Five months? Uh, six <laughs> six months. My mayonnaise just expired, Ryan. Famously, six, you've lived to You've lived here for six months. <laughs> yeah. Build your damn bed. <laughs> How do you not? You well, the, you slept without a mattress, just on the floor with blankets for like three months. No, it wasn't even blankets. Well, it was just a pile of clothes, <laughs> which sometimes is more comfortable than a bed. To be honest, I mean, uh, okay, where did we go? If you we guys just came listen, onto your podcast if, to lambast you for if your you life choices. If you guys listen to my podcast, I've defended all of this before. 
I've like I've been on your side of the argument and then answered the debate by myself. You know, after, when when we get to the off season, I will build a bed. I will get a plant to warm up for a girlfriend. I have like a whole bunch of things on my bucket list of like off season. Is I'm, I'm learning to how to say together. bagel one of them? <laughs> okay, have I explained? I uh, yes, you bagel. have. We get we got your whole. We thing. understand it, but it's okay. wrong. Still dumb. Well, you guys say it's bad. I was actually hanging out with some of my Montana friends last night at that. Uh, Oh, we got another one. Um, I, I should answer this. You should silence it at least. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm back. <laughs> it's just me now. This is post Friendsgiving. Um, you know, obviously, I wish we could have had Allie and Ryan around a little bit longer, but everybody started showing up there. This has got to be so weird to listen to. I can't even imagine, like, having them and then having them leave. Um, you know, AJ showed up. I wanted to get his take on Tua Tagovailoa and his injury. You know, AJ was a part of the draft pod with Andre before it was me and Andre. And so his take, obviously, relevant. Um Maybe we can get to that at some point. I mean, there's a long time between now and the draft. I'm sure we will. Uh, Harrison Wind, who went to the University of Colorado, who now covers the Nuggets, he has some takes on this basketball team that I wanted to get to. Weren't able to do that. Um, again, we're going to have him around. I know that he wants to get up to Boulder. Uh, so the Nuggets don't have open basketball practices, like practices open to the media. So they get to show up at the end and talk to the players kind of like I do with football but they don't get to watch what happens in practice that's something that the University of Colorado lets reporters do which is pretty cool um and talking to Harrison talking to Brendan we came up Brendan vote uh we came up with a couple of ideas of things that we wanted to do um mostly they just miss watching basketball practice miss watching the way all things work watching how teams improve um Again, off-season content. When I say off-season, I mean like when it's not football season. I'm not sure if I've ever made that all that clear. But like when I stop being like a diehard three days every week, or more than that, I guess, going up to Boulder for every media availability, when things kind of open up where it's, I need to write stories about basketball, I need to write stories about football, but I don't necessarily have somewhere I need to be day after day after day. And things kind of open up to do some more fun stuff um, to get more people on the podcast because my schedule is flexible enough to do that. Um, so that's exciting. Kind of teased you with that tonight and then just pulled it out without even telling you I was leaving. But uh, yeah, um, here's a quick update on the last six hours. Friendsgiving was incredible, as you'd expect. Uh, so cool to get to work with all these different people at DNVR. Um, none, of, none of them? No, none of them had ever been to my apartment before. So that was kind of weird. Allie Monroy actually picked out this apartment. Like when I was coming down here, I was looking and she was like, oh yeah, where are you looking? And I was like, what? And, and she said, no, you should probably look at this. And so then she sent me all the places and this is the one where she was like, you should probably take this one. And she was totally right. Uh, so yeah, she picked this out for me. Um, had a good time. Everybody brought food. Everybody had jokes. It's just so cool to be surrounded with this many smart, talented people whose brains work in a similar way to the way that I want mine to. Just learning from them constantly is so cool. Getting to talk to them, getting to hear more about that uh, film session with Mel Tucker that I can't tell you about. Here's the takeaway. 
when Ryan and Allie say that the man is like a genius, not just for like bringing the donors in, the boosters in to show them that he is a genius, but because he actually is one, like because he's able to bet on himself in that way. Um, yeah. Uh, the stories they told, just being able to hear them explain like, here's what he said was going to happen and here's what they were going to do about it. And then they took it to the field and we were saying, they're saying like all the details, pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a fun night. This is now like what? Seven hours in the future about six and a half hours in the future. It's like 1230. Everybody just left, uh, cleaned up and it's time to get back to buffs. Um, basketball. Let's talk about this basketball team. Um, so in case you didn't hear, Colorado is in Las Vegas. They're playing in the MGM Grand Main Event. And it's at the T-Mobile Center, the same place where the Pac-12 tournament is held. Uh, Tad Boyle said that that's part of the reason they wanted to play in this tournament, just to get a little more time in that arena before they play games that really matter in that tournament. Um, he also, like, hedged when I talked to him he, and said, like, you know, it's not that big of a deal having experience in arena. Uh, it's not, like, a huge thing, but at the same time, it helps. So, so like, there, there's... He's not all the way bought in one way or the other, I guess is the point. Um, and the way the tournament works is that there are four teams. And uh, in the first round, Colorado played Wyoming. And Colorado beat Wyoming 56-41. to 41. That's a good win. Can never complain too much when you win a basketball game by 15 points. I think the line was set at 19. I had been telling the people I had been talking to before uh, the game that I thought that that was going to be it, honestly an easy cover for Colorado. Um, the way that they had played at home against UC Irvine and San Diego, beating them by some, like, I think, the, I think they beat them by 16, maybe it was 17 and 18 points. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it was 17 and 18 points. Um, 16, and 18, I think it was 16 and 18. It doesn't the details, but the point is Wyoming isn't as good as either of those basketball teams. Sure. Colorado was playing at home, and I'd heard that, you know, the, the buffs aren't as good on the road, but I didn't really think of this as too much of a road game because so much of this team has played so many games at the T-Mobile Center. Um, you know, McKinley Wright, probably the most important player on the court, been there quite a few times uh, every year for the Pac-12 tournament. Tyler Bay, same thing. Um and throughout the roster, we've talked about how experienced this roster is. There's very little turnover. And I thought that that would really help them more than it did. I thought that, you know, home court advantage, I think, really helps at the beginning of games and at the end of games. Um, getting into a rhythm early because you're you're in a groove. You know, when, you're, when it's a true home game, it's because you have a routine. Because you know what a 7 o'clock game day is. It means you wake up, you go to class... You do whatever, whatever, whatever. And and your day is pretty similar. You show up to an arena you're familiar with, same locker, same all these sorts of things, and then get on the court, and it feels like you're kind of in a rhythm. Whereas when you're on the road, things are different. Maybe you have a, a full day at the hotel before. Maybe you're getting in pretty late the night before. Maybe you have like something you need to do during that day. Maybe it's uh, you know getting breakfast. Maybe you're doing all these things. Like Things just are so variable. And particularly for college kids who don't, you know, they, they aren't professionals. It's not their job to always be on. Like, uh, 
it's almost their job and they mostly are always on when they need to be but there's just a little bit more i don't know like is it the hormones or something that's still in there there's there's something about college kids they're just a little bit tweaky they're young they're young and you see the same thing in the nba too with the the younger players there it just takes time to mature and develop and to become consistent and one of the things that really makes it tough to be consistent is changing that routine um i thought that Wyoming would be changing its routine more than Colorado would be. I thought that since Colorado had played there, they know what those locker rooms are like. They're staying at probably this... I don't... No, I never got told the hotel. They're probably staying at the same hotel that uh, they typically stay at. You know, the, the bus ride's the same. They probably go eat at the same places. All these sorts of things, they, they had some sort of consistency because they just did that, what, last March? Probably was the tournament... Um, turns out they started pretty slow. They hit the three at the end of the first half to tie the game up going into halftime at 15 points apiece. 15. 15 points. Uh, that's not a lot. You'll remember that basketball ha- or halves are 20 minutes. 15 points in 20 minutes, not all that good. The defense, the defense on the other hand, very good to hold them to 15 points. Um, it's concerning. It was, it was definitely really concerning. I think that was pretty obviously the low point of Colorado season that first half when they probably should have built a lead based on that defensive performance. They probably should have been able to, you know, beat them by 10 in the first half, beat them by 15 in the second half. And then all of a sudden it's a 25 point win dominant performance. You easily cover the spread. I did also call the under, I think the line was at like a 125. And Colorado's defense against a team like Wyoming is just not going to give up enough points for them to not for 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 you to hit the over. So basically, what I'm saying is hit me up with your gambling advice because I actually don't gamble. A lot of my friends gamble because uh, I guess it's not gambling; it's betting. Um, mostly because I don't know how. I'm sure I could like figure it out. Like there are websites, there are bookies, but just too much work. And that sort of stuff. I'd rather just tell you what my bets are and then play for reputation and ego. Um, it is interesting to me. It's always interesting to me to see those lines are set. 28-point line on Utah. I'd probably take Utah, to be honest. Early on, you know, there's still time to go uh, before this game. Things will change. You'll start to get a feel for the team. I'll start actually, like, hearing things about the game instead of just going with my gut and what I've seen on tape. Um, I'm honestly so excited as soon as this is over and I'm probably going to finish recording this at like one in the morning. I think I'm going to have to just turn on that Washington game after all the things that Ryan and Allie told me. Mel's for real. Mel's for real. We're just going to end that conversation there so I can stop teasing you about what I get to hear and you don't because that is not fun to listen to. Um, but yeah, you know, Colorado did come out in the second half. They looked a lot better. Um, you know, three-point shooting wasn't what it was. Uh, sometimes you're going to have a cold night from three. That's just... I mean, honestly, that's why you don't bet on three-point shooting because it's so rare that you have a team like the Warriors that's so, so consistently great at hitting their open shots that they're able to carry that all the way through to a title. And even with Golden State, you know, back in the day, before it was like the KD Golden State 
They still could get to the rim. They still had diversity. They still played good defense. They had all these different things. It wasn't just the three-point shooting. Although, you know, early Steph Curry definitely, definitely helped. Um, You know, every team is going to have good nights and bad nights. And that's why I don't think that three-point shooting is how you build a college basketball team. You build a basketball team that can get consistently good looks from inside. You know, even if even even if throughout the season you hit 60% of twos, that's high. 50% of twos, 35% of threes, then uh, your overall field goal percentage comes out to whatever, 42, 43, um, just to, I don't know, use some sort of number. The the three-point percentage is going to vary from night to night a lot more than the two-point percentage is. It's a lot more consistent to use guys in the post, to hit cutters, um, to, to, to get to the rim and be able to finish. There's less variability on a shot that's seven feet versus a shot that's 25 feet. Um, and that's why sometimes you have these nights and that's why you don't bet on your three-point shooting. It's just something that you have to be able to do as well. You have to be able to save nights with your three-point shooting. You have to be able to blow teams out because of it. And, and Colorado's shown, they, shown that they have that sort of explosiveness. Um, the good news is, to me, that Colorado isn't a three-point shooting team. Although they have been efficient this year, it's still a team that's built off of getting to the rim getting good looks, moving on offense, um, finding mismatches and exploiting them, not just getting guys open and taking shots and hoping they go down. Because at the end of the day, a lot of three-pointers are just kind of hoping that they go down. Um, it's so so many little things can change whether a shot goes in when you're th- trying to shoot from that far away. Uh, the variability is just so high. You can't consistently do that every game throughout a season. Um, and so that's why I'm excited that Colorado's built the way that it is where you can work off the of the twos, but then also have the threes. Like you have that explosiveness, and when it's on, I mean, it's kind of just over for the other team outside of the, the real teams. You know, Kansas, a test. Kansas, a test for sure. A second half pulled it together, played good basketball, um, outscored them 41 to 35, 36, I think. No, 26. There we go. <laughs> that was bad math. Uh, 41 to 26 in the second half. Probably what they should do in 20 minutes against Wyoming. Uh, it's kind of tough to pull too many thoughts out of this. You know, turnovers aren't all that bad. Uh, let's talk about Tyler Bay before we stop talking about basketball. He had a night that needs to be remembered. Uh, definitely, definitely needs to be remembered. He wasn't all that close to the triple-double. Like, he still needed four more assists. But he just played so well. Stuffed the stat sheet. Um without being necessarily a, a, a perfect offensive weapon. You know, even when things weren't going in for him every time, he was still able to contribute. He wasn't just a volume scorer, the type of guy who typically carries a basketball team. He he was more of like that, I don't even, who do you even compare him to? The Andre Robertson thing, that's easy. That's an easy comparison. Similar, not much of a three-point shooter, long defender, likely plays a similar role in the NBA. That's easy. Tyler Bay doesn't fit that quite perfectly. I'm going to think about this comp for sure. But but what he does is just be that glue guy almost, but be such a good glue guy that he's also contributing. It's not just only helping 
put others in better situations. He's also really adding to the game. You know, you look at the stat line. Only puts up 11 points, shoots 50% from the field, and uh, also gets this six assists, 19 rebounds, which is just just crazy. He's listed as a guard. Um, with a couple steals and a block. It's a great night. He's just doing everything. He's helping in every way that he possibly can. Uh, didn't take any threes. So there's that after a couple nights. And when I talked to him, he was still confident. I don't think that that's the issue. Uh, he just didn't get many open looks. He's special. He really is special. You look at the Ken Palm rankings. He's a top five player in the in the country so far. And, you know, it's obviously early, and that makes you think, you know, it's a small sample size. Maybe it's a fluke. But you look at the other guys who are up there, and it's basically the other four best players in college basketball. It's, it's for real. Uh, it's exciting to have something like that in Boulder. Um, Okay, one more thing before we stop talking about basketball. Free throw shooting needs to get better. It just has to. Uh, you know, they fixed they fixed the turnovers. They were able to cut down on those after too many in the first couple games. Uh, still, you know, they're in that 12-13 range. I think 13 this time, 12 the week before. A little, a little too many, but you're in a zone where it's not killing you by any means. The free throw shooting, 9 of 20 tonight, was just a new low. Uh, they, they poked their head up, got into 70, and then fell back off again. This is a real problem. This really is a problem, and it's something that needs to be addressed. You know, I, I can tell you that they're working on it in practice for sure. It's, it's not something that they think is just going to go away by itself. There's energy behind it. You know, At some point, you just got to make the shots, though. Uh, and, and they haven't been able to do that. Nine of 20 is not acceptable. Yeah, and you think of what would happen if they were able to get that to 15 of 20. 75% free throw shooting from a team, not not that tough of an expectation to meet. Um, and all of a sudden, that's six more points. That's a 62 to 41 win, 21 points. That's what you should be doing in this team. You know, halftime 21-15, put all those points in the first half, Looks better. Looks quite a bit better. It's still not where you want it to be, probably, but it's better. I don't. I mean, it's kind of tough to analyze free throws. It's not like it's not like field goal percentage where you can say like they're they're not getting open looks because they're not moving offensively or because they aren't seeing the players who are getting open or because the post ups aren't working or because you know there's so many things that you can diagnose. But when you're getting enough free throws that it's not a small sample size. They shot 20. And you you compare that to the seven that Wyoming shot. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's more than enough to draw conclusions from. And it all just comes down to they just missed. And that... Against Wyoming, you get away with it. Against Oregon, you definitely do not miss 11 free throws and win. Uh, that's probably enough for basketball talk before I get into the questions. I haven't looked if we have any comments, but I do want to talk just a little bit about going to Boulder this morning. I'm not sure if I'm going to get up there tomorrow, Tuesday because of the weather. I know that I don't know how much to say. I, a lot of the reporters aren't going to be able to make it. Um, 
I'm still on the fence. Most have kind of made up their mind. It kind of depends on what the weather looks like. As much as I would like to be up there for the press conferences, you know, there's going to be like five people to talk to and not many people to keep them talking. And that means that I get plenty of time to ask everything I want to ask. You know, that is awesome. But also so is, first of all, not wrecking my car on my way up there driving through a blizzard. Ooh, we can get to that blizzard debate again. That'll be fun. Um, And even outside of the potential for wrecking my car, there's also the fact that it's probably like a 90 minute drive up there minimum, 90 minutes back, 90 minutes that I'm there. And then all of a sudden, what's that? Four and a half hours out of my day. Plus there's like a a project that I'm working on with DNVR. Um, A lot of our projects are never used. Uh, This is kind of a peek behind the curtain. But at this point in where the company is at, it's all about just ideas. Like, where do we grow? What kind of content do we create? So it's just like try stuff and see if it works. And if it works, then run with it. Like the Denver Sports Podcast. Um, If you guys aren't listening to that, you should definitely listen to that. Nominated for one of the Colorado Podcast Awards, Best New Podcast. Basically, reporters on all sorts of different beats, whether it's the pro sports, whether it's the college sports. Four people get on there, hosted by Ali Monroy, who... You guys now know, if you didn't know her before, she's just the best. Uh, and she's really good at her job. She's turned that into kind of her baby, and it's blossoming. Uh, I've gotten to be on there a couple times. It's good stuff. But like that was one of the things. It was one of the ideas that had been bounced around for a while. We tried it, and we're like, oh, this works. We should build off of it. Um, there's another little idea in the works, so I'm hoping to get that done. But then all of a sudden, my whole day just disappears And then I'm also trying to get out of the state on Wednesday. Uh, So just having that extra 90 minutes plus 90 minutes plus 90 minutes to write and edit and watch football, watch film also sounds good. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, But today, though, a little bit of a tangent. That's what happens when it's late at night. Um, Key takeaways. So talked to Jalen Sammy. Uh, he said, he said that it does fire him up. It fires the defensive lineup to hear how people talk about the Utah defensive line, which is one of the best in the country. Um, they're big, they're fast, they're strong, they're skilled. You know, it's, it takes everything to be one of the best in the country. And that's, in my opinion, the group that's kind of anchoring this whole top, what are they now? Sixth, seventh, uh, top six, top seven team in the country is that defensive line. And Jalen said, you know, yeah, they're physical. We want to match that physicality. We want people to be talking about us the same way that they talk about those guys. And, you know, it's a process. And I've I've said before on the show that I really trust them to get there. And think about your starting three in this 3-4. Sammy, who's been incredible recently, uh, really taking his game to the next level, had that massive tackle on the punt return late against Washington. Probably should have been a touchdown, but he made the play. And he's, I, I was talking to him off to the side a little bit today, um, and he was saying, you know, it's kind of nerve-wracking to be in that situation. Like, big guys aren't sp- supposed to be able to take down little guys in space. Um, and he said, like, obviously when that thought, like, there's a lot of space in between the two of us and... I need to bring down this guy who's little and shifty and quick. And, you know, Jalen's a lot of things, a lot of things that make him a great football player, but quick and shifty toward the bottom of the list. Uh, 
he made the play though because he's just that talented as a freshman uh redshirt freshman but freshman uh yeah he, imagine him out there though he's been getting in the backfield too with Mustafa Johnson and Antonio Alfano and Terrence Lang and Naeem Robin. Like, there are just so many guys. Like, obviously, you have that top three, but then even the depth behind them is just so strong, or at least projects to be so strong. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, he can feel that they're clicking. He, he says that they're having fun. He says that it's important that they have fun. You know, th- when you look at the great defenses, that's how it is. It's It's that you get to that point where all of a sudden everybody's not laughing and joking, but sort of, you know, you get out there, you make a play and it's like, Oh yeah. You know, they're, they're having fun more than anything. The, the football is obviously what's most important, but at the same time, it's what allows them to enjoy themselves that much, make them feel like they're doing something. If that makes sense, you know, and they have that. And that's something that's just so important and also pretty tough to find. Um, also talked to Nate Landman. He said a lot of the things that I mentioned on the podcast after the game. He is, uh, he feels like he's really improving in coverage. Uh, he's, he's finally getting reps. You know, he didn't cover anybody in high school. He was pulled on third downs up until this season. Plus the scheme changed. Plus, uh, you know, it's, it's just all these different things. Like, more is asked of him mentally, not even just like in learning the scheme, but if if he were to know every detail of last year's defense and this year's defense, it would still be so much more work and upkeep to maintain knowledge of his duties in this new defense because he has to understand what the offense is doing, understand what the checks are for his defense, get everybody in the right position. It's just more mentally intensive and that makes it tougher to just relax and play football uh, down the road. If everybody understands their job and well enough that they can relax and play football. Great. If they don't, then they might have to keep using this little shortened playbook, which may limit them. It definitely limits them. The question is just how much it limits them. Uh, Nate feels better though. He feels like he just kind of needed the reps back there, getting a feel for what it's like being in coverage because remember, he comes from a rugby background. He grew up in Zimbabwe. Uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, it's definitely Zimbabwe. Uh, that's where he was born. His dad was a professional rugby player. And that's his background. That's why he's a good tackling linebacker. There isn't much dropping into zone coverage in rugby. Uh, that's not part of his DNA. So it was always going to take some time. I was talking to Ryan tonight, you know, not to put him too... It's, it's all these conversations, it's weird to include details because they don't really know that they're going to be talked about on the podcast. But, you know, we're talking to, talking to Ryan tonight and he's saying, you know, how many, how many good players are on this defense? And actually, it, then the question shifted to who is the best player on this defense? It's Mustafa? Is it Mikhail Onu? You know, it's all these different questions. And... You know, I ripped on Landman early in the season, preseason, when I went back and watched the tape. I was like, this guy is not, he's struggling in coverage. Sure, Pro Football Focus says that he's good in coverage, but I am not a Pro Football Focus guy. There are some things that they do well. The tangible stuff they do well. The other stuff, eh, eh, I don't know. Uh, not, not, not a huge fan of 
It, it, the problem is it's all subjective. You look at it and then somebody assigns a grade and things can change. Plus, it doesn't factor in that he was protected in that defense. Obviously not playing in third down, but also, you know, they gave him shorter areas. They made him the run. All these little things that make it so much easier on him, put the pressure on different players instead of on him. Whereas Mel said, no, this is your job. Do your job. And if you don't do your job, then we're going to find somebody who can uh, because it's about this system. I think at this point, that makes sense. I think that at this point, it's about implementing the system, figuring out who can play in the system that you think is most likely to win college football games, and then uh, use those guys going forward. When you get to the point where this program is strong, they're competing for a Pac-12 championship, um, they're competing for a college football playoff spot, that's when you start to change things. That's where you say, you know what? This doesn't fit who we have perfectly. Obviously, we've done as much as we can to get guys who fit, to groom guys into fitting perfectly, but that's where you can start to tweak things. That's where you say, hey, this is about winning now. This is about winning this game and not about making sure that we're doing everything we can to keep building, keep progressing toward the future, um, which is what they're doing now. And so... Every week when they throw somebody new in there, that's a tryout. That's just testing who fits in this scheme. Uh, Nate is beginning to fit better in this scheme. He's a good athlete. He isn't like a crazy athletic linebacker. That's not his strength. It's the instincts. It's the tackling ability. He gets downhill, and he's not a bad athlete by any means. It's just that when you look at him as a draft prospect, that's not what jumps off the page those instincts will translate to coverage and they're beginning to translate into coverage. It just hasn't, it just hasn't totally fit together until these last couple weeks when he's looked really good. Um, all that said, my point is I think that next year is the year that Nate Landman is a guy that Buffs fans thought he should be. He will be the band that Buffs fans thought he probably would be this year. Um, because he will have those instincts, because he'll have the reps, he'll have seen the looks, he'll have felt out what it's like to do that job, something he'd never done before against good competition in the Pac-12. Uh, I'm, I'm a lot higher on Nate Landman in 2020 than I was in 2019. Uh, I do think that he's somebody who's going to become not just a guy who's going to get drafted, but a guy who t teams may fall in love with. You know, a guy who is circled on draft boards as, you know, this is this is who we want in the third round. We got to find a way to get Nate Landman in the third round um, because he's going to have that type of year. Uh, that was kind of rambly. That was rambly. Mel was hyped. Mel was really hyped. He, uh, uh, he obviously good practices. The team is hyped. Um, and he... You forget that he can buy into this stuff too. It's no surprise that team morale may be at a high right now coming off of two good wins against conference opponents after, you know, failing for a few weeks. You expect them to be a little more cheerful, a little more bubbly, having more fun, more excited to play football. But that happens to Mel too. And you could just tell, and he was even saying it like, 
it's just so great to be out on that practice field again. You know, after all all we've done the, in the game, after all this stuff, it's just so nice to get out there and play football again and work on football and do all this kind of stuff. Like, he is into it. And I think that that's a good thing, that he gets excited in the same way that the team does. Uh, didn't have too much for details. Uh, did talk a little bit about Utah, but we're out of time to dig into that right now. We'll have plenty of time this week to talk about Utah. I gave my initial thoughts earlier. You know, anything can happen in football. It, not to bring back... I, I don't know if it's a bad memory since I won the game, but, you know, the enemy with the six fumbles, seven fumbles, something like that. That's kind of what Colorado needs this week. You know, Colorado's playing the best football it's played in a while. Um, I would say easily the best this year. The offense doesn't look as explosive as it has at points, but it's doing its job. It's keeping things on pace. It's doing more than the defense allows. Stop thinking about the defense is one thing, the offense is the other, special teams is something else. It's a football team. It's a football team, and they play football, and their job is to move the ball more than the other team moves the ball and then score off of it. It's not about the defense doing this and then the offense doing this. Like complimentary football mel has me bought in on obviously uh yeah that's that's uh basically my point it's getting late i'm getting a little bit tired um tough game it's gonna be a tough game i think they know it's gonna be a tough game they're hyped it's tough to find too many matchups one-on-one that colorado should win uh colorado out coached chris peterson as uh as Ryan noted earlier tonight, and that's a great sign. There's checking boxes. He can recruit. He can coach. Just need to get more wins. Just need to get more wins. Five, not a bad start for first-year coach. Bars raised to seven next year, though. I don't care if it's a rookie quarterback or first-year quarterback, true freshman quarterback. Um, I'm about to get into the questions, the comments. I just pulled them up. Looks like there are two. And before I do that, though, I have a story to tell you. And here's that story. If you guys listen to the podcast after the game, I think it was the first one we had the Gold Boys read. I had never done the Gold Boys read before. It was all new information to me. And I did tell you that Gold Boys has a chapstick, a CBD-infused chapstick that Ryan is in love with. Um, he had it tonight. He always has it. He always keeps it with him. He doesn't leave the house without it. I made fun of him for having bad lips, probably, needing chapstick. And uh, and that was on the podcast. And uh, said that I don't need chapstick because I just have perfectly fine, healthy lips. Weirdest thing happened today. I woke up. Obviously, like, my mouth is a little dry. Get up. Get ready to go Boulder. Head up to Boulder. And I'm about halfway between Denver and Boulder when I uh, think think about something that's funny and uh, smile really hard, like really hard, just out of the blue, just like big smile. It was honestly kind of weird saying that out loud right now, but basically I was like sitting in my car and just like, boom, smile, thought something funny. And I smiled so fast that I like split my lip open because it was so dry and it really hurt and it still really hurts. You know, the <laughs> the <laughs> the Friendsgiving got just a tiny bit wild. It wasn't like the most wild DNVR gets, like when we go downtown, that kind of stuff, like Rockies games, Avs games, 
Nuggets games now. Hopefully you guys are buying to all these sports. They're all a lot of fun. Well, the ones they're playing now outside of the Broncos are. Um, Drew Locke. I, I, I'm not even excited really to see Drew Locke, which is too bad. Uh, point is, all of a sudden, my lips really hurt. Uh, just that one spot where I like, kind of split open. The tequila tonight, though, was the point of where I was going. Uh, just burned. So today I had to go actually make a specific trip to buy chapstick because I hurt my lips so bad. Um, I feel like it's karma. I feel like I deserve it. But um, I don't know. I don't know. Ryan made fun of me. The point is, there are products at Gold Boys that, that you should try. Uh, the Gold, Boy, Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution is what it's called. They have like clothes. They have uh, CBD infused things. They have like vape pens, gummies. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> there's like murals and stuff. They're, they're a cool spot. They have this CBD infused chapstick, which I need to go pick up. I got like, I'm not even going to advertise what I got, but it was bad chapstick. It was just whatever the cheapest chapstick was. I don't think it was good stuff. I don't, uh, I don't know much about chapstick. Like I, 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 we talked about how I just got into gum. That's going well, by the way. And I don't know what gum I like, but at least I've heard of the brands and the names make more sense to me. Whereas with chapstick, it's like, do you get the beeswax or do you get the cherry or do you get all these different flavors? And I, I don't, I, I guess I just haven't really thought about what I want my lips to taste like. Um, so go to gold boys, <laughs> go to gold boys because they have the best chapstick Ryan swears by it, and I trust Ryan. Um, they have like the murals. They have like Black Friday deals. You can shop their Black Friday deals at goldboys303.com. Get 30% off the entire set on Black Friday. Great stuff. Uh, if, if you're like buying in bulk, then you can uh, call them at 720-372-9843, and they'll give you some sort of discount. It depends on what you buy and how much. All that kind of stuff. Uh Gold boys, where everything is gold. Okay, uh, football again. We did have a couple comments. I haven't read them yet on the post-game podcast, which I posted uh, post-game. Uh, the first comes from B-Mixer, who says, back-to-back games with being the most physically dominant team on the field and against Stanford and Washington. Yeah. Oh, he said, I would not have thought that. Um, I agree. That's surprising, but here's what's surprising about it. What's surprising about it is that it's happening now. What's not surprising about it is that it's like happening at all. The thing is, I thought that it was going to take Mel Tucker a season or two to kind of instill this, make this a defensive football team, make this a football team whose personality is built on being physical, being mean, being aggressive. Uh, it's finally clicked. It's finally happened and I didn't think it was going to happen especially with the way the middle of the season went the injuries in particular were cause for concern I didn't think it was going to happen this season having it happen against Stanford and Washington a couple of the most physical teams in the conference that's tough now they go up against Utah the most physical team in the conference and Mel was talking about that today how they are the most physical team in the conference um and he was asked you know do you think Colorado's close to being the number two in that category 
And he said, you know, we're just trying to do everything we can. You know, he didn't. It would have been a clip. Definitely would have been a clip if he had just said, we are the second best team in the conference. And some people would be like, you're not second second most physical team in the conference. Oregon is, or, you know, some, you know, Stanford is, Washington is. Um, and then people would have all those hot takes. But then people would be like, why aren't you saying you're the most physical? Shouldn't you have that mental? That's why you don't say things like that. So he handled it well. But that is a topic. And he agrees that this is uh, this is happening. Uh, he continues, what do you think are the reasons they struggle in the red zone on offense? Uh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. There's less space. So a lot of the receiving threat for Colorado is downfield. Um, LaVisca Chenault, you saw it on Saturday. You just throw up a 50-50 ball in the end zone way downfield. There's a good chance you can make a play on it. Tony Brown has this weird way of boxing out cornerbacks and catching footballs. He's good downfield. Obviously, KD, speedy guy. He can get open downfield. When you get to the red zone, everything collapses. Uh, That's no longer a threat. You don't have to send so many players deep. It's almost like having a couple more players on defense because they're up in the box. They're working in the middle of the field. They're clogging things up. And uh, that's why it affects Colorado more than other teams. The teams that are the best in the red zone... Uh, are the teams that run the ball well. Teams that can just line up, pound the rock inside, and get in. Uh, LaVisca can do that, but they've been hesitant, uh, and I'm talking about the season as a whole, they've been hesitant to put LaVisca in the Wildcat. Obviously, we saw it a couple of times on Saturday uh, on some longer longer situations where it's still like the plunge, you know, in, in right into the middle of the, the line of scrimmage right in the middle of the trench, but from four yards away. I think there's a third and four. I think there's a fourth and four. Picked up the third and four. Just about picked up the fourth and four. Um, so so we have seen it, but not nearly as much as I would have expected. There have been games. There have been multiple game stretches where it's something that the Buffs have just refused to do, probably because they're trying to keep them safe and healthy. So losing LaVisca in some situations, you know, he's probably taken what 60% of the, the wildcat carries that he should have in the red zone. I think that that'd be a fair number. Uh, you also look, there was the one game with the penalties that was, uh, was that USC or Stanford? I think it was Stanford. Uh, when, uh, they got to the two yard line lined up with LaVisca and the wildcat, uh, got called for a false start, went back to the seven, ran the ball, or threw, I can't remember how they picked it up, but eventually got back to the two-yard line on that same series and then got called for another false start and went back five yards and again had to take LaVisca out of the Wildcat because that's just too far away to do that. Um, so those penalties are not helping either. Uh, big thing is Colorado's a team that the offense runs well because on an average play, the defense is committing an, an one more defender downfield than they typically would, which opens things up underneath. You you bring that defender down into the box. All of a sudden, things clog up a little bit more. And then the running game, they're losing their best threat on 40% of the carries in LaVisca Chenault. And as, as good as this offensive line has looked this year, it's still not a great offensive line. It's a very good offensive line for sure, but... You know, it's not Wisconsin. It's not Oregon. 
it's it's not just going to make it a guarantee that you're picking up a two yards on every single play. Uh, that's my take on it, at least. Uh, I feel good about it. I feel like I hit all the points I should hit. Uh, also says, nice job podcasting at 4 a.m. Thank you. That was a weird thing. My sleep schedule still messed up. Uh, you guys are probably thinking, oh, it's it's one ten. How is Henry going to be able to do his job tomorrow? Well, the thing is, I no longer go to sleep at normal adult sleeping hours because for a few more days, my sleep schedule is going to be messed up because that's just what happens with my job. Still totally worth it, by the way. This is just part of it. Um, Silver Buff, do you think Mel may have been more hands-on with the defense in recent weeks? That's a good question. Um, should start by saying I have heard nothing uh, about, about this. <laughs> um, I haven't heard anybody say Mel is doing this or Mel isn't doing this or Mel should be doing this or Mel should stop doing this or any of that. Um, not recently have I heard anything about Mel being involved more. I can definitely ask. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it up to Boulder tomorrow, but Wednesday I'll have an opportunity to ask people um, whether they've noticed Mel around more, probably the defensive backs where you'd see him more. Maybe he switches it. Maybe he spends more time with the defensive backs. Typically, this decided to work down with the linebackers, try to help clean up the cover skills and Nate Lamb and Akil Jones, those guys in the middle of the defense. Uh, so, as a reporter, the answer is, I don't know. Uh, as an analyst, as an uh, opinionist, I'd say I doubt it. Uh, I would be surprised if anything's really changed in that regard, uh, mostly because he's typically pretty hands-on with the defense. Um, there was the the decision to stop uh, using the entire playbook to cut down. And again, we don't know how much. We don't know whether they took out the last 10 plays of a 100-play playbook or, or 10 pages of a 100-play playbook, whether it was 50 or 20, you know, we just don't know. But we do know that something was cut out, which is a decision that has to be made. And I would guess that Mel Tucker was very involved in that decision. Whether it was his idea or Tyson Summers' idea, again, I don't know. But it doesn't happen unless Mel clears it. So that is a hands-on decision that was made that Mel was definitely at least 50% of, probably more. In terms of in-practice, grabbing guys, pointing things out. I would doubt much has changed. Um, there's a chance that because there are so many young cornerbacks that he's taken that upon himself to to clean that area up. Um, different head coaches will have different philosophies. If you're thinking... What's most important for a head coach is just being the CEO. You know, making sure that the practice schedule makes sense. Making sure that the, not even to practice, but the daily schedule, you know, when are meetings, when are the other round of meetings, when are lifts, when's, when's the meals, when are people getting in, when are they getting out, how are you coordinating travel, um, all these decisions, like some of them delegated, some of them just him. That's what's most important. Then you have to be like the energy guy, you know, setting the tone for the entire program. Are you a screamer? Because teams with screaming head coaches are different than teams with quiet head coaches. Mel, quiet head coach. He uh, was scared. No, I should not say that. He wasn't scared. He, he decided not to get into it with the refs when the refs made calls that hurt Colorado this week. Uh, somebody on Twitter, uh, Jake maybe? 
uh, was saying uh, he wanted Mel to be more angry. That's just not Mel's personality. Would it have helped? Maybe. Maybe if you say, hey, this this can't happen. These, these are bad decisions. Uh, I think it might have been a reference to the late hit call on Darian Rakestraw that kept the drive alive for Washington. Uh, uh, they set the tone as well. And they also set the tone by saying the schedule. Um, actually coaching, actually being on the field saying, in this situation, get your hands higher. Uh, you need to be moving your head more. You need to be doing this. That is less important. But for a guy like Mel Tucker, who rose through the ranks the way he did, he does have some valuable input, specifically defensively in the big picture type stuff, uh, schematics, setting up the defense, finding holes in opponents and exploiting them. Uh, he also has the technique, obviously, good defensive backs coach, sent a lot of guys to the NFL. Uh, it could be that because there are so many of these young cornerbacks that he did become heads on or ha- more hands-on, it would make sense. You need Tariq Luckett, KJ Trujillo, and Dylan Thomas to be legitimate cornerbacks they need as much help as they can get. And it's gone well. Just to clarify, those three in the reps they've gotten, KG with the most, Treek with the next most, Dylan has also gotten in. Uh, I've been impressed. I would guess that Mel's been probably a little bit more hands-on with the DBs, probably not much more hands-on with anybody else. I would guess that the overall game plan decisions have been split in the same way uh, with... Tyson Summers and Mel Tucker collaborating, whether it's 60-40 one way or the other. Um, I don't think that has changed. Uh, but that decision to uh, to cut some of the playbook, I can guarantee he was very involved in that decision. Um, so yeah, that's what I can give you. Um that's it for today. Those are the two comments. You guys can leave comments too if you use the promo code HANK. Uh, you can sign up for DNVR. You can become a member. You can read all of our content. Hopefully, I'm going to pump out so much tomorrow. That's like the freeing part for me where it's like I just become all backed up with things that I want to write, interviews that I have, things that I think are important, but just don't have time in the day to actually get all this stuff done. Um, off season smoother sailing it's not gonna be smooth sailing there's always something um but yeah it's a stressful life but it's a great life and i really can't complain at all Uh, you guys though you can subscribe get to our content comment have your comment read on the show i will answer every single question that you give me in the comment section on every single podcast uh that's a promise until somebody finds like a weird loophole or like I don't know, they get fired from their job and all of a sudden have a whole day free and just decide to leave 100 comments, then maybe we have to have a talk. But as of now, I mean, the Broncos podcast gets like 50 comments a day. Like, it's pretty crazy. That's why their shows are like an hour and a half. Maybe that might be a bit much. But definitely, if you have thoughts, you have questions, let's talk about them because uh, it's more fun. You guys have good ideas. Like, like has Mel been more hands-on? Not something I'd even considered. But... You know, I, I, I don't even think I thought through the decision-making process of uh, cutting the playbook until right then when I read that. I was like, yeah, that probably is what happened. It was probably one of them had the idea, whether it was Tyson Summers, whether it was Mel Tucker. It could be an assistant, too, for sure. 
Um, and if so, that assistant, that's something that will play into Mel Tucker's decision-making process going forward, whether it's time to give that guy a promotion because he does prove things. You know, that one decision probably isn't going to, or that one idea probably isn't going to propel that guy to a better job, but it's a part of the puzzle for sure. Uh, it's important who came up with the idea. Mel definitely at the very least cleared the idea. Um, could have been his own, could have, you know, all this different stuff. Uh, not something I would have thought about with you without you guys though. And that's why I appreciate you all so much. Uh, thanks for listening as always. Hopefully you're back tomorrow, uh, which will be Tuesday so that we can talk about, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we'll talk about. It's going to be a good time though. And I'm excited. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we station, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.
finally get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag.